Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I want to talk to you tonight. We have been <clears throat> journeying along about operating with the Holy Spirit, the relevance of the Holy Spirit. I consider it our Oculus Prime moment for this year. You know, whenever God prophetically speaks to us, He's preparing us for something to come. Um, and I want to talk tonight, the title of my message tonight is Responding to the Father. I, um, When you were little, when you came to this planet, God placed within you dreams and visions that sometimes over time they become covered up and dormant. And, you know, it's much like, I think there's a lot of analogies I could use tonight, but just think about in an overgrown yard. You know, we've done a lot of flip properties, which means that someone neglected them and didn't care for them. But there's still some good bones there, is what we call it. You got to go look and see if there's some good bones there. But one of the main things that becomes overlooked is the yard. And, you know, even this house we moved into, I don't know what they were doing, but they just let all the grass die and they have a, they had a sprinkler system. They could have just, it was really hard, you know, just flip the switch and we would have, but no. And so, you know, we've spent, you know, the last nine months trying to revive um, a dead yard. It's looking pretty good though, isn't it? And green indicates growth, right? And so when God places these dreams and visions in our hearts, he, he watches over it from birth and he never relents. You know, the Bible says um, that God's calling or assignments or destiny, whatever word you want to put on it, it's without, it says it's without repentance, which means that he never changes his mind. Remember, repentance is a change of your mind. So God never changes his mind about why he sent you to the planet in 2023. Yes. Now, the enemy has an assignment as well that sits beside your assignment. And he comes in really early, you know. And I feel like my job at this time in history is to make us aware of this power that we carry. I think Pam did a really great precursor to what I'm going to talk about tonight. If we'd only got together, you know, we could have made it really cool. But part of my ability to operate in power, to have a John 10.10 life. What is John 10.10? Jesus says, I came that you might have power that you might have joy, you might have abundance, you might, whatever. Think of it like this. Everything Jesus did on earth, not just the miracles he did, the way he lived, the way he thought, the way he responded, the way he operated, you can do that too. That's who I'm talking to tonight, that I'm trying to unlock you 
from a poor belief system to where you made choices and decisions that were so below the dream that God had over your life. And, you know, at this point, I think in history, do we really have an excuse to believe little? I mean, do we, like, what is the excuse that says, oh, I'm too much, or I'm going to mess it up, or I'm too old, or it's too late, or I don't know what to do? The day that you wake up one morning, you say, I am done with excuses, is the day that you will step into a greater knowledge. Think of it like this. We said it tonight. The Spirit is a wind, and and he blows, and a lot of times the dream or the vision, it's on the other side of adverse winds. You know, if you've ever been sailing or been out in the water, you know, a sail catches the wind, but you can actually sail into the wind. Why? Because an experienced sailor knows how to position his sail to actually move into the wind. And think about adverse winds on a supernatural level are things like, you're too old. Nobody's ever done that in your family. See, I wanted to be the one that said, nobody's ever done it in my family, but I'm going to be the one that does it. I just said that. I said, and I started doing it, the it of God. And I said, this is way easier than doing the other thing. This is way easier than living in fear. This is way easier than making all my decision, making sure fear is at bay. This is so much easier. No wonder he said, I came. That you might have life, that you might have it in abundance, that you might live it to the full. Because I came to break the problem of what kept us from living free. And see, Jesus was the perfect responder. I told the worship team this last night, just think about all the ways that Jesus responded to people. Just think about it for a minute. And, he's, and these are all the greater things. So if I can look at how Jesus responded, I can learn how to respond. And I can even do it better than Jesus did it. Why? Because he left the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is empowering. He's breathing. He's blowing in us, through us. He's empowering us to do what? Respond to the Father. You know, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they both live in us. Like, I like to picture that on a daily basis. Holy Spirit, here we are. You can't live without your heart, right? What's your heart doing? It's pumping blood. The Holy Spirit's in there. Jesus is in there. I like to think of it as Jesus is teaching me to love. What's the Holy Spirit doing? He's teaching me to yield. I like to think of the Holy Spirit as an introvert, because I'm not. And he's really sensitive. And his greatest desire is that someone on earth 
would just do it like he said, because it's a kingdom. It's not a democracy. You know, whenever, I think I, I have this verse. When I was thinking about this today, can I just read to you? It's Luke 10, 10, 19. It says, I think I've read this recently. Now you understand that I've imparted to you my authority. Now, what's the context of this story? The story was he picked 70 people. And he said to the 70 people, what? Go out and do the stuff I just showed you how to do. Now, if you, if you really study out that story, it talks about, let's just look over at it just real quick. Luke 10, verse, let's just look at verse like two-ish. It says, the harvest is huge. What's the harvest? The harvest is people that didn't know what the 70 knew. Right? So it says the harvest is huge, but there's not enough harvesters to bring it in. So as you go... Plead with the owner of the harvest. Who's the owner of the harvest? The Holy Spirit. He owns the people that don't yet know what the 70 knew. That don't yet know what you know. I don't care what level you know it. You may be kindergarten level. But there's people that the Holy Spirit has targeted. That you don't know. That he knows, that he knows you can affect with your story. Right? So he said, as you go, here we go, plead with the owner of the harvest to send out more. <coughs> more what? More of the 70. People like the 70. And he says, and he even gave him a hint. Now, as you go, this is how you're going to feel. You're going to feel like a little baby sheep in a pack of wolves. He told us how we would feel. So why are we shocked? Right? Why are we shocked? He sent us. He told us how to talk to the Holy Spirit about where he's sending us. Where is he sending you tomorrow? Do you have a job? Who has a job? He's sending you to the job. You going to Walmart? Going to... No, we're not going to Target right now. Uh, <laughs> we boycotted Target. Um, Costco. Home Depot. Home Depot, yeah. That's where you're pleading. Are you pleading? No, really, ask yourself... When you get up and you go to work, are you saying, Holy Spirit, here I am. Send me. Because there's somebody that doesn't know him like I know him. Are you responding to the Father or not? And he said, you're going to feel like you're going to this pack of wolves. I love it. He says, and you don't even need to take anything. No. What are you taking? Your heart. It's the one thing that the enemy can't get. He can't steal your salvation. 
He can't steal your encounter with the king. He can't steal. He might come in and suggest, and you might feel sick, or you might be sick. You may go to the doctor. You may have crappy relationships. He can suggest and mess up a bunch of stuff, but can he really go get in and steal your heart? Don't you just know that you know that you know whether God's Lord or not? He says you don't need anything but trust God alone. And I love this. And don't get distracted from my purpose. Have you ever met somebody and you thought you were pretty strong in the Lord? And then you met them and you found out what was stronger? Their unbelief. Right? Women, come on. Looking for a man, so desperate to get us one that loves us. We compromise. Come on, women, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you compromised what you knew? Like they were showing you their true colors and you said, but I'll pray them in. It's an epidemic. We don't even make anybody prove their fruit. We think we can persuade them to have good fruit. Trust me, you cannot. So he said, don't get distracted. What else distracts us? A promotion. How about a promotion? Have you ever gone on a job interview and you just... You were doing your greatest Oscar-nominated performance. And you didn't even think about wondering, do I want to work here? Will this job work for my family? Will this job work for my lifestyle? Will this job work for the commitments I've made? One thing I have to say about Keisha, Keisha's like, let me just tell you right up front. This is who I am, this is what I do, and this is what I can't do and what I cannot do. Guess what? They still wanted her. You either know if you're, just think about what distracts us from his purpose. Yeah. See, if, if my job on earth, my assignment on earth is just to respond to the Father, and I have two-thirds of the Godhead living in me, wanting that same thing, and I'm seated like Pam said on Sunday in heavenly places, I feel like there's a lot working for us. Doesn't it seem like we're done with excuses? Such as, well, nobody likes me. No, nobody does. Run that down the road. What? So? I'm not really good at it. No, you're not. You're crappy at it. So? Just run them on down the road. Somebody's going to be mad at me. Yeah, they are. They're going to think I don't love them. Yeah, that's what they're going to think. You set a boundary with any controller, that's the first thing they're going to say. I thought you loved me. I thought we were family. You know, I'm going to teach boundaries again. I'm going to be talking about, does their words serve your vision? Yeah, let's be all snugged up to family. Meanwhile, 
toxicity and poison are being spoken over our hearts over and over and over again. And we wonder why our destiny is so delayed. I know people have stayed in abusive marriages for 20, 30 years and wonder why it's taken them so long to get that toxicity. Is that the way you say it? Toxic city out of your heart. (laughs) Nobody cares. So that, that was the story. And then verse 17, the 70 returned. They're like, man, this is what they said. Even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. And Jesus said this, while you were on Lyrewood, I saw Satan being toppled to the ground like lightning. That tells me Satan's still light. This went over a few people's heads. And he says, now that you just did all that, now you understand that I've imparted to you my authority to trample over his kingdom. What's required for trampling? Feet. How big is a demon that fits under your foot? See, that's why it bugs me when people are freaked out about bugs, because this is what kills a bug. And it's the same action that kills Satan. It just depends on what's on the bottom of your foot. What's on the bottom of your foot? Let me, let me tell you what. You wanted to know, didn't you? Like, shooty, just scoot your chair on up, babe, if you need to. Just get up here. Now you understand that I've imparted to you my authority to tramp over his kingdom. You will, turn to your neighbor and say, he, she said will, trample upon every demon before you And you will overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing can or will harm you as if, if, as you walk in this authority. And he said, but the real source of joy isn't merely that the spirit submitted to your authority, but that your name is written in the journal, this is pre-salvation, pre, pre-death on the cross, in the journal, what's going on in the, who's journaling up in heaven before Jesus even died? When was the journal started on your life? Help me. Before you came to earth, let me help you. There, there, here's a journal, it says, Teresa Rogers... 2023, daughter of God. That's what it says about you. And that's what he said. This is the true source of your authority. Your ability to believe that you're a child of God. 
See, if I come to God in prayer with fear, and in His presence where I'm like telling Him all about my fear, if I don't leave changed, I just went to complain. If I come into... Oh, here I am, Kay. If I come into His presence as a child, what's a child doing? I'm not Lord. I'm in need of a father who, ha care, who has all power. My thing here on earth is too big for me. I don't even know what's top and bottom. I don't even know what's right and left. I don't know anything, so I'm bringing that with me as a little child. And I leave it with you. That moment, I should be changed. When I come out of his presence, I should be like, It is well. With my soul. He's got it. Anything else I'm doing, I am not going to have authority on earth. My authority comes from knowing my position in heaven on the journal. Daughter of God. Son of God. Everything in God comes from my relationship to Him as father. That's why when I respond to the father, I either respond like a child, a loved, cared for, protected, can't do anything wrong, can't mess it up, child. Or I respond to the enemy's version of that dad. What's your version? Of this authority. I mean, if you look up this authority, I just happened to look it up for you. It's excusia. I'm done with excuses. Excusia. Listen, this authority is power of choice. So what is this choice? Think about it. Jesus said, I'm giving you something. But it's the way that you view who you are that determines how well you use my gift that I just gave you. You may spend 10, 20, 30, 40. I know people have spent 60 years thinking they're nothing. I know somebody's mom who has decided to leave all the prophetic stuff, go back to the Baptist roots, why? Because they've lived in fear, so much fear. See, the prophetic should propel us to be prepared. Prepared for what? War. You know, I heard Bill tell this story today. I listened to this 17-minute message of his like five times today. I don't know. It was just he was talking about living with authority, and this is what he said. He said that when he was young, that he had this hunger in his heart to see the greater things of God done, to see healings and things. And he heard about it happening in other countries. His grandparents, you know, I think Bill's in his 70s, so think about it. His grandparents went to Catherine Kuhlman. Does everybody know who that is? But, he, but his dad wasn't as much into it and all that. And so he said when he saw Catherine Kuhlman, he thought, that should be happening everywhere. Come on, I'm trying to get you to tap in 
to something that God birthed in you from birth that's gotten covered up. And so he said that he began to hunger for seeing that happen. And he began to pursue what God's desire was. When Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, it, it dawned on him, the Father is industrious. He's not lazy. He didn't even sleep, y'all. It says he never sleeps. God never sleeps. I don't even, I wish I didn't sleep. I don't even like sleeping. Me and Jared, we're like, no sleeping. We don't want no sleeping. My dog Scout, she's in the no sleeping zone right now. And so he said that he began to see miracles in his life because he just hungered to be an instrument of his presence. See, the Holy Spirit has to be yielded to. That's why Jesus said, not my will be done, not my way. But, it, but he said, my choice is to take on the authority of the Father as a son. That's our choice. Isn't it cool that he gave you that choice? Yeah. Remember when you were running, making your own choices, you thought you were cool? Do you remember? And then there was just nothing happening, right? You're like, what is happening? I thought my way was going to be cool. Felt empowering, didn't it? But it ended up being no power. And so then you see somebody with a little power. You know, I love bro. You know, he didn't even know me. You know, Breezy told him. He, I remember he showed up at my house. He had this funky hat on. And he, I could tell he was, thought he was cool. He had those really big pointy boots, you know. And, and we, he began to tell me all about himself. Because that's what you do, right? Let me help y'all. Learn to ask more questions instead of tell more stuff about yourself. Anyway, but see, over time, I just dissected him. I had a dream the other night that somebody said to me, I told you about myself, but you saw into me and you peel back all the layers of what I thought I was and you saw to the real me. And that's all that happened between me and him. I remember he would come almost every Friday and he'd be rolling around, ah, you know, because why? I was dissecting those boots off of him. It was you know, we all just carry this weird identity. We think we're so cool. And so Bill was talking about how you begin to see these things. And so Bob Jones, y'all know who Bob Jones is. Some of y'all do. He, he gave Bill this prophecy and he said, hey, there's going to be some backlash from all of these miracles. You want miracles? Okay, let me help you. There's going to be a backlash. There's going to be winds of adversity. If you haven't learned to sail with the Holy Spirit into the wind, I am telling you by experience on the other side of conflict, on the other side of rejection, on the other side of disappointment, on the other side, there's a wind. There's a yieldedness of the Holy Spirit to where you can finally breathe. Don't resist. Going towards the wind. 
And he was talking, and, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Bob Jones, he had a vision when it's like 1974 or something, and he went to heaven. And he was standing before God, and, and God was, I think they were having a debate whether he was going to take him or not. And he said to Bob Jones, did you learn to love? And he came back to earth, and he learned to love. Because, see, that's, that's God's heart. As this good, good father, when I tap into how much he loves me, I realize there is nothing bad going to happen to me. Yay. You know, I like Margo. I, put, I made a little slide. Margo said this the other day. Um, she said, disappointment does not diminish our worth or dreams. Has anyone been disappointed recently? Has anyone ever been disappointed in their life? Instead, it's a call to grow. Can, can you get, this is a wind. I'm trying to push you to the other side. Disappointment is an indicator. It wasn't it. It's a call to grow. Recalibrate perspective. Can you, can you press in to the disappointment? And release the ways we misconstrued reality. That's a good definition of disappointment. Listen, she went on to say, the next slide, disappointment holds a transformative power. Do you feel the wind? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. All I can feel is the disappointment. Urging us to shed old layers, that's why it's a wind, of attachment. Listen, a lot of times this is old family members. You know how you just want so bad to be approved of, of everybody that's ever known you? You know, have you, have you ever been, this didn't happen to me, so I don't know. Have you ever been in rebellion and then you got saved and you wanted to go back and tell all the old people? Anybody ever, man, I bet they will be so happy to hear about my news. How many found they all were happy? I haven't heard of a story yet where anyone was happy. It says, to shed old layers of attachment and embrace the unknown with an open heart. I'm talking about people who were in rebellion with you. It pushes us to examine the narratives we've constructed and to question if they're really serving us. Are they really? Through disappointment, we gain the opportunity to redefine our path, uncover hidden strengths, rekindle the resilience within us. Let's allow disappointments to guide us into, into digging deeper, reassess assumptions, and find new meaning. That's a good word because that's what Bill was saying is that he began to have this opposition to people getting healed. What's your dream? Have you gone, have you pressed into the wind long enough that you're actually doing the dream, that you're actually fulfilling it? What comes in as resistance? What comes in as disappointment? What comes in as winds of adversity? And I like it that he was telling that at Bob Jones' funeral, Bill was telling somebody about this word, about this adversity that was going to come. 
And one of the guys, the old codgers that was there, he said, well, I just look at that as income tax. Did anybody get it? What's income tax? Who wouldn't want to make more? If you're paying more income tax, it means you're making more money. If you're getting some resistance, remember the religious spirit said, if you get any resistance, it means you're in sin. It's income tax. If you're going to see, this isn't for everybody. Some people want to be on food stamps. If you're going to get what I'm saying tonight, and you're going to respond to the Father, you're going to say, that dream that you put in me, when I've just felt a little wind in my face, I've just retreated. I can't even press in to a little wind for two weeks. But if you're going to see those babies not aborted, if you're going to see child trafficking done away with, if you're going to see those mountains, those seven mountains, the mountain of education, the mountain of family, the mountain of entertainment, mountain of arts, mountain of financial stuff, whatever they all are, can't remember them all right now, if you're going to see any of those topple, you see, he was telling me today that um, John Eli was talking about the mountain of arts and entertainment. Guess what spirit sets on top of that? The Jezebel spirit. And on the mountain of family, the Bell spirit. You know, Bell and Jezzy. Do you get the story at all? Do you understand the whole Bible gave us what's happening right now? Look at the story of Jezebel and the Bell prophets. Jezebel Bell, you get it? <laughs> that mountain is coming down. Who is in charge of it? That spirit is coming down. You are either going to be a part of that or you're going to be going, oh, I heard that was going to happen. I like, I have another slide from Chris. He says, are you, uh, number four, are you waiting on the Lord's timing or is the Lord waiting for your preparation? Listen, step into preparation. Listen, let's get that narrative out of our minds that just God will just have his way. He's just sovereign. Well, yeah, he is. However, you have an assignment. However, you have a dream that God plucked in your heart and he put in there and he's breathing on it with his wind. And his wind is pushing you into something that before you were like, oh, that's just too hard. I don't want to respond that way. Listen, look at what Jesus did when he saw the religious people. How did he always respond? He called them animals and stuff. Dogs and Stuff and whitewash. Why? He was talking to a spirit behind that person. But then the woman with the issue of blood, what did he say? What happened? The woman at the well, what did he say? 
See, he knew how to respond, it says, because he knew men's hearts. That's the father. The father knows men's hearts. And you can know men's hearts. The Holy Spirit who knows all things, Jesus who is the empowerment of love is in you and they are trying to push you into the dream to actually remove the demonic from everything that you touch. Every place your foot goes is holy. Because why? You're there. So whatever was there before is smaller than your foot. First off, why do, why do we make the enemy so big? It's not like God's this big and the enemy's like this big. God is unfathomably big. Holds the entire universes, however many they are, in this little, just in the palm part. Palm pilot right there. And the enemy was just a created angel that thought he could be like God. And so he attempts to make you think you don't need God. He attempts to make you think you can make up your own identity. That you can make up your own gender. That you can make up your own way apart from God. Listen, I've been doing this a long time. I have seen so many people think they can find their way without him and all they find is ruin. And they try to make things in the pig pen. They try to put pretty pictures on it. They repaint it. But a pig pen is a pig pen is a pig pen. And if if you notice, the father never ran to the pig pen. He waited with identity and authority. Until someone came to the end of themselves. I don't want to have to come to the end of myself over and over and over. I just kind of want to be one and done with that thing. And then I step in to preparation. That means you're not prepared. Didn't it feel weird to not be prepared, not know anything? I mean, hate that. Sorry for y'all. You don't know nothing in the spirit. And here's a weird thing that we do. We try a whole bunch of stuff without even asking the Holy Spirit. From the smallest little things to the biggest little things. We don't ask him. Have you ever just like done 10 things and then thought? (gasps) Excuse me, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit real quick. Seriously, I may have done this. And then the answer is like right there, like, and you're like, that was such a waste of time. He wants that to get shored up. That's preparation. Think about it. The Holy Spirit is stepping you into an anointing and you forget to ask Him. And a heart. The most precious thing that he owns is your heart is setting before you. Oops. And you're not prepared. And you say, Pam and I used to, we used to laugh. We just say all kinds of stuff. 
lay hands, get all kinds of stuff going. And then we're like, oh, maybe we should ask the Holy Spirit. I love how Pam says it. Prayed all my best prayers, said all my best counsel, on and on and on and on and on and on. How many of you have done that? And then it's like, well, let's ask the Holy Spirit. And he goes, bam, target. And you're like, oh, if only I had remembered to ask first. Then I would have just responded to the heart of the Father. Listen, think about it. When, when he says this, chapter 10, back to Luke 10, he said, after Jesus said that about your hearts are in the record book, right? He said this, then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's joy, exclaimed. Now, how do you see Jesus saying that? Do you see him being like, yeah, Father, thanks. <sighs> overflowing with joy. The Holy Spirit's joy. The Holy Spirit's excitement. Father, thank you. You're Lord Supreme over heaven and earth. You have hidden the great revelations of this authority from those who are proud. Who do you think's hanging out that he's like, Holy Spirit got all excited in him? Have you ever had the Holy anybody ever had the Holy Spirit get excited in you? It's hard to keep him down, isn't it? Even the non-emotional people. Just think about all the religious people standing around. You've hidden it. Something's going on over here, people, and you can't even see it. <laughs> when Bill was telling that story about the income tax, they kind of panned over to the audience, and there's this man and woman sitting there. And when he said, Income tax, the whole audience went, oh. And the guy went <laughs> to his wife. And I could see her trying to explain to him like this whole 45 minute message in like 30 seconds to somebody that's like, What? Income tax? I don't get it. Remember? He's withheld the secrets from the proud, from the religious, from the know it alls. From the ego-driven people. From the people that aren't in need. I'm in need. I'm not ashamed. I am so in need. I know nothing. I have to ask everything. You know, we're in the process of remodeling this crazy house. And I had to make this big dollar decision this week. And I remember I'm sitting there and I'm like, Holy Spirit. I don't know what to do. Because he cares about everything. And nobody in my house knows that this is a hard decision. Because, you know, when I come out of the secret place, I'm confident. I come out and say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. But see... In the secret place with him, I know nothing. My confidence is based 
on his voice, on the ability of my heart to yield and to trust him with the rest. Or trust me, I couldn't make any decisions. I'm making 10, 20, 30, 40 decisions a day, not only for our house, but for our business, for our church, decisions after decisions after decisions. And you, when you have that many decisions set before you, you learn to ask. It feels unusual if I ever don't remember to ask because I want to respond to the Father. Listen, Jesus knew when to be diplomatic. He knew when to be coarse. He knew when to be sarcastic. When he's calling them dogs and whitewashed walls, it's a dig. Do you talk to yourself that way? When you're like all victim-like? Are you like, what's wrong with you? Look around. Do a 360 for a minute. He's withheld the knowledge of this authority from the proud, those who are wise in their own eyes. What a dangerous, dangerous place to live in. And you have shared it with these who humbled themselves. Yes, Father, this is what pleases your heart. To give these things to those who are like trusting children. Father, you have entrusted me with all that you have. And no one fully knows the Son except the Father. And no one fully knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to reveal the Father to anyone he chooses. I just say choose me. Think about it. Why would Jesus reveal the Father's heart to somebody that wouldn't obey him? The key to my response and getting more opportunities to respond is obedience. And he always starts with something small. He talks with he starts with giving or texting someone some encouragement or being available, being inconvenienced with your time. He starts at the smallest level because when you're standing opposite of a heart, he wants to know that you've yielded. He wants to know that he can trust you, that you'll ask him, that, he'll, that you'll deliver a message to that person of freedom, not a message to make sure you're doing it right. I want to finish with this verse. CC, you coming? I like that comment. Did you hear? Yep! Colossians 1, I read it a lot. It says, He, Jesus, is the divine portrait, the likeness, the true likeness of the invisible God. Jesus is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in Him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, 
every seat of power, every realm of government, every principality and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything that was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Wow, Jesus is cool. That's a lot of stuff. That's why the demonic can't trespass over Jesus' territory. Right? Remember, this is bigger than the enemy. If I, in my imagination, make the enemy bigger, it doesn't make the enemy bigger. It only makes him bigger to me. In my imagination. And when you're talking to somebody that knows he's this big, they're going to look at you and go, why, how did he get so big? He, I can just do that. What are you doing? I'm just telling you the key because this war is on, baby. It's on like Donkey Kong. And listen, the enemy is going to throw barrels at you every day, every day, every day until you realize you can just, maybe you need to do this 5,000 times. Listen, it says that Jesus made the enemy the footstool. Now, I don't know about you. We got some footstools at home. Do you have any footstools at home? We don't wear them around like a jacket. We put our feet on them. We sometimes use them as a ladder. But we don't drive them around as a car. And we don't sit on them to watch a movie. No, y'all didn't even get that. (laughs) He is the head of his body, which is the church. What are you? What are you? You're the ecclesia, so he's the head of you. It's not a democracy, it's a kingdom. He's the head. So he's going to ask you to do things that you're uncomfortable doing. If you already come with a precursor that says, oh, that's awkward, I don't feel like I want to do that then you're going to remain in kindergarten. Listen, maturity yields obedience. That's why if you teach your children to obey, if you you watch the behavior of their heart and teach them why obedience yields fruit, then you won't even have behavior problems. If you you can tell your child is, is if you're controlling by their rebellion. Children yield to love. They rebel against control. It's obvious. And since he's the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he's the most exalted one holding first place. You're not first place. Right? You're not first place. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness. Think about that. All of God's fullness dwelling in Jesus. Where is Jesus at right now? He's in you. And he's up there. And you are too. That's why he said, not my will, but your will. When he's in the garden and he's saying, not my will, not my choice. I don't want to die here. I want to fulfill the plan of God and die on the cross. 
So he said, please don't let me die here. Are you praying that? Please don't let me miss my, miss my assignment. Die too young to where I don't fulfill it. That's what Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Don't let me die too young because he was sweating drops of blood. Have you suffered to where you have, have, have sweated drops of blood? Blood, 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 blood. No. That's a lot of sweating. I'm sweating right now. That's a lot of sweating. Isn't it? And he was, he was pleading with God, don't let me die too soon because here's my assignment. My assignment is to die on the cross. Are you that married to your assignment? I mean, that should be a sobering statement to us all. His assignment trumps everything. It's the reason you were created to fulfill an assignment in 2023. And all of hell is against you. And all of heaven is for you. This is what defeats hell. This is what exalts heaven. It's not hard. It's just a choice. Not my will. I'm choosing to have the authority of the king instead of the authority of my little soul. And that's what he said. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven, everything in earth, is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're doing. Our assignment is to fulfill the Father's heart. I want to respond to the Father, just like Jesus did. Come on. So good. Oh, what a delicious message, don't you think? Well, we have an opportunity, as you will, every moment for the rest of your life, to respond to the Father. <laughs> we, it's true. It's every moment, every, all the little things. And uh, I had, in fact, I had this dream recently I wanted to mention to you that um, in the dream, we were, there was a whole group of people, and we knew that this necklace that represented like a tribal necklace, like it was really ornate and had all this stuff, like a whole breast piece kind of thing. It had been stolen and it represented a whole family member's authority, like their their assignment, their, you know, their influence, their rank and all that stuff. And we knew that the necklace had been stolen and we'd been searching for it. Well, we hadn't found it. And then in the dream, I had had a revelation um, by seeing a vision that we had been searching for the necklace as if the necklace had been was still fully intact. And we thought, so we were just looking for this big intact necklace. And in the vision, I saw that there were little children who were sitting on the edge of a pool of water, basically. And when they got up and walked away, little pieces of the necklace fell off little pieces of the necklace. So what was holding all the necklace together had become dismantled and pieces of the necklace had dropped off over time. And so a new search was sent out and I told everybody, we've got to go look where the children were and where they walked away from the water and look for the little pieces. I mean, tiny little stones, little paper thin buttons. And if we found all of those, then we would have the necklace. And so I felt like that was a, that's obviously a picture for us. We can sometimes wait to feel like we have this weighty authority that feels real strong and powerful, but that's not how you reclaim the authority that your family line lost or, or that you, you lay down somewhere. It's in the little things of those, those little 
seemingly less significant responses to the Father's heart that we have walked away from. And one of the ways that we do that, of course, is often as children, as we, you know, I mentioned in this word, and I want to touch on a few things in this word that I read at the beginning. I'm so, I'm so excited about what the Holy Spirit said about belief, because as children, we have a really intact belief, right? We have a really powerful, powerful belief. And I, I had, I used to know someone who would tell me this story over and over from their own life. And it was when she was a child, she and her grandmother went to visit another little girl who was sick and they prayed for her to get healed. And the, this woman I knew as a little girl, she was like, all right, we've prayed for you. So get up and come play now because she had the kind of faith in Jesus being able to heal that she was like, well, you're better now. So get up. Like, why aren't you getting up? And so this woman who was in her 60s now would tell me that story to like as a badge of honor of how big her faith was, but she hadn't been living and operating with that kind of faith probably since that age. Like she, she, something happened. Maybe that little girl didn't get up off the bed at that time, you know, her friend, and she walked away. That's what symbolized in the dream for me, turned their back on the water, turned their back on the Holy Spirit and the, the belief and that flow, the living water, and dropped off a little piece of that authority in, in her life. And so I think that's what this word was saying to us because we've all had that. We had that childlike belief at one point in time, even if you didn't know it as an, an actual little child. But when you came into the knowledge of God, something inside you knew that everything that Jesus said about the Father was true, that every bit of it, he was just as powerful as that moment of salvation. You just knew it. And so, but there are real life experiences that kind of cause us to drop that, drop that little piece off over and over and over again. And so this word to me, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, your belief is still in there. That belief is still fully intact. And all that you have to do is, is shut the mouth of the lion that's trying to speak against it. You know, shut the mouth of doubt, shut the mouth of fear and those things that are speaking against it because we're just allowing something to speak louder than the belief we actually have inside of us. And so this word, I, it really jumped out to me on the part about, um, um, I said, I feel heaven rumbling inside of me, preparing to breach the walls of what the enemy has built. Will Jericho remain on this promised land? Now, I looked it up, and Jericho in the Bible, um, I'm sure most of you know the story, but Jericho was the first part of the promised land that the Israelites had to overcome to gain their promised land. So God had already said, everywhere you step, the land under your feet will be yours. He'd already given it to them. But there was another whole enemy encampment already built up. A really a fortified city was built up. And Jericho was the first one that they had to confront and tear down. And if you know the story, they tore that down by obedience, by walking around, just like God said, and seven times and blew the, the trumpets and the sound of their, raised their voices and all, when God said to, and the walls fell. So that's what God is saying to us right now. If you want to partner with what, and respond to what's on the Father's heart, he said, 
prophetically today that those walls are no longer, they no longer have a grip on this land, on your promised land, that they are just sandcastles now. They aren't fortified cities. They aren't impenetrable walls. They're just sandcastles. They don't have anything holding them to the ground anymore. So let your belief that is still in there come out and partner with me as you go out. And so I looked up in, um, Brian Simmons has an incredible devotional now called the Joshua Generation. And I looked it up because I knew he would have something on Jericho, right? So real quickly, Jericho, he says, is a picture of the stronghold of the mind because the mind is the very thing that keeps many Christians back. It represents strongholds of insecurity, unbelief, doubt, fear, inability, and insufficiency. It's a picture of the land, of living in the land of not enough. So that's a heads up. If you have any thought come into your mind that speaks of lack in the coming days, any thought that comes in and tries to keep you back, and, and keep you from operating in authority, then God just told us that is nothing but a sandcastle. Raise your voice and give him praise. That's all it is because it's coming down because I already decided. He just said, I'm doing it. I'm already, I decided. It says that um, Jericho also represents um, a, the walls, walled city of Jericho can be a picture of intimidation. It also is a picture of the web of deceit and darkness and discouragement and despair that the devil himself has put before you. It's the disqualifiers, the list of disqualifiers that says there's a limit on what you can do. There's a limit on your authority. There's a limit on God's goodness. Okay? If you have any thought like that come up in the coming days as you try to step out, God's already said that is not a fortified city. That is not an impregnable wall. It is a sandcastle that is going down. Just lift your hands and praise and worship me and it will come down. And then you keep moving forward. You keep moving forward. So this is an opportunity for us to respond to what the father has said. Again, he said, I'm uprooting the pillars of strongholds that have held my children captive. The walls may still stand. That means we may see them. We may feel them. The thought may cross our mind. That doesn't mean anything. It's expected. Just like when the Israelites crossed over into the promised land, there is obviously a walled city there. It's not, it wasn't an illusion. It was really there. So don't be surprised when you encounter that. That's how the enemy works. It's going to happen. But God is saying that he's tearing down what holds that up. He's tearing it down. So the wall may still be there, but they no longer have a grip on this land. What has seemed a strong tower holding you captive is now nothing more than a sand castle. So stand erect in the fullness of the posture I have given you. Hold your head high and lift your trumpet to the sky. Your weapon of warfare was once only a delight. In other words, maybe your worship, you just did it when you felt good. It was fun to sing or you were in a good mood and so you like to worship then. It's not just for fun. It's not just a delight. It's a weapon of warfare. And the walls, those walls, those things in the strongholds of our mind will fall at the sound with the sound that we release. So set your belief free. Let's release it. You know that that idea when when somebody's already pushed something almost all the way down and they let you push it over like the last 
bit. Like it's already a crumbled thing and they let you come up and just do that last little motion and you get the victory. That's what Jesus has done for us. So that's how we can picture this going out from here tonight. We can picture it that way. Our belief is let it free. Let it come up and be the thing that pushes that last little bit of that wall over. Let that childlike belief, don't restrain it from having it say, your belief will inhabit the sound you release and it will be the downfall of all that has come against you. Cower no more. Don't hold your belief back. It does not need a harness. Release it into its full design. Let your belief rise. Let your belief fill the sound of your praise and inhabit every word you say. Your belief in me is complete, but only seen when doubt no longer has a say. Belief is not limited by immaturity. It is only limited by the voice of doubt you allow to remain as some sort of babysitter, lest you get too carried away. God's saying, get carried away. Get carried away. You don't need a babysitter on your belief. You don't need to fact check it. You don't need to debate with it. You don't need to argue about it. You don't need to, to you know, think, well, I don't know. That might be too good to be true. I might be getting ahead of myself. Maybe God's not really ready for me to do that. Just cut that out. Just don't do that anymore. He's saying there's no babysitter needed on your belief. No babysitter is needed. This is the time. God is an, you know, God's a God of timing. When he decides to do something, nobody can stop him. And this is that time. This is, he's, this is now. This is a Kairos moment. So release your belief. Let it rise. The brewing volcano, the stirring of this molten lava. And you remember the sod word? Picture it. Just imagine it. All of heaven is ready to erupt, like on the edge. Forces of angels are lining up, gathering up, arming up to come onto the front lines of your battle. And they're just ready, like they're ready, like there's rumble because the troops are amassed. The volcano is ready to explode. When our belief is released into the atmosphere, that's their go moment. That's what, it's like a chemical reaction. Bam. It's like the, you know, the Mentos and the Pepsi. It's on. It's just on. There's nothing going to stop it. Right? Papa is saying, I am ready. I am ready. All of heaven is charged with electric anticipation of its contact with this land. We're bringing heaven to earth. Heaven is ready. It's electrically charged. Like picture it like it's like, just let me touch it. Just give me like one. Let me make contact in this one moment. Just please let me make contact with this land right now. So he's saying, release this heavenly army, release them by releasing your own belief. The time is now. Set your belief free. Belief is the captive. You have the keys. Set it free. So Papa, we just say yes, yes, yes. It is our honor and our privilege to respond to your heart that you so readily share with us. Thank you for trusting us with your words. Thank you for trusting us with these expressions of your heart. Thank you for giving us the invitation to have a response, for giving us legal authority to have a powerful response that is not cowardly, is not limited in any way. So we say thank you and we will not consider this some small thing. We will not, not respond in some small, limited way to this incredible, powerful moment of opportunity that you are making available to us. So we say yes to you right now, Papa. We say yes to you right now, Holy Spirit. We say yes to you right now, Jesus. 
And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just move through this room, move through the hearts and minds of everyone hearing this message, that you would seal this up, that you would light that on fire inside of them, that this would be a living and active word that would make them forever changed after hearing it. So we thank you for this message tonight. We just bless Tisa. We bless the leadership of this house that works so hard and is so devoted to listen to what's on your mind so that we can hear it, so that we have this opportunity to respond to you. So we thank you and we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.